But we begin this evening with the race to reach the South Pole in the early 20th century. In January 1912, five men walked through an alien world of snow and ice in the face of bitterly cold polar winds. Much has been written about the famous Terra Nova expedition, which saw Captain Robert Falcon Scott and his team of explorers attempt to reach the last great undiscovered place on Earth. But now, for the first time, the focus is on the women in their lives. Catherine McInnes is the author of the book Snow Widows, Scott's Fatal Antarctic Expedition Through the Eyes of the Women They Left Behind. She spoke to our reporter, Colm Flynn. I have always felt there was more to the story. I think that it's such a kind of classic tragedy that it's become a myth, and I wanted to know what the real story was. The men wrote what they really thought to their women folk. In this case, the Snow Widows with three wives and two mothers. The women probably knew more about what the men really felt than the man in the sleeping bag next door. I used to say this was the unofficial story, but now I think it's the real story. Catherine, before we talk about the Snow Widows, remind me of Robert Falcon Scott and his attempt to reach the South Pole. This was his second attempt. His first was from 1901 to 1904, which was the Discovery Expedition. And in that expedition, the ship was frozen into the Antarctic Sea when the Antarctic winter came. So in this expedition, he decided that he would go down in this ship called the Terra Nova to the Antarctic and then send it back to New Zealand to overwinter there where the sea doesn't freeze so that the ship wouldn't be in peril. Give us an idea of the kind of place that they were going into because even today the Antarctic is a very inhospitable place and we live in the age of GPS and modern technology But this was over a hundred years ago. I mean, these men were really going to the final frontier, weren't they? It was the final frontier. I mean, nobody knew what was at the South Pole. Maybe that was where the Garden of Eden was. And they were surviving temperatures down to minus 60. So their teeth were cracking. They were phenomenally tough, incredibly tough. Before the team had set out on their journey, Their wives had written post-dated letters to them. They also wrote to their families and friends talking about their husbands being away. From examining these letters and interviews with people who knew them, Catherine was able to get an idea of what this time was like for the men's wives. Like the wife of Captain Robert Falcon Scott, Kathleen Scott. I think she was fascinating. She had a very ropey start. Her mother died when she was very young and her father's new wife wasn't really interested, so she was sent to a convent. She became an artist and specialised in sculpting and early on developed a keen eye for the male form. And thereafter, she sculpted naked men almost obsessively. She was obsessed with the perfect, she called them lions. She was looking, she said, for the father for my son. She didn't want to have daughters. She hated women. Wow. 
She flirted outrageously. She was an incredible tease. And if men didn't fall in love with her instantly, she wasn't interested. So Kathleen wrote a letter to Scott and said to him, open it the day before you set out on your expedition. And in the letter she said, you must know that it's not your physical life that will profit me and Peter most. If you feel there's anything you need to do at the risk of your life, do it. We shall only be glad. So that's quite powerful as a message. It is do or die, isn't it? Yeah, it seems that she wasn't that concerned really for her husband's safety, was she? I think uh, she felt that once uh, he had had a son, that was his immortality. And interestingly, in that letter, it says it won't crossed out, wouldn't be your physical life that would profit me and Peter most. Isn't that incredible that she anticipated that he was going to die? That won't. Another man on the team was Edgar Taff Evans. I think Taff was the most incredible chap. He's extremely bright, also very capable, very motivated. He was a PT teacher for the Navy. He was from Middleton in Wales and married his cousin Lois. She was a very hard worker. The problem for Lois was that several problems. She so Lois had three children herself and Terra Nova Expedition was not a government funded expedition. It was a private sponsorship. And when Scott realised that he was going to have to stay for a second year to be able to achieve the South Pole, he asked the men to forego their second year's salary. And we think that Taff agreed to do this because he was so keen to win to get to the South Pole. So Lois went to the post office along with a lot of the widows from the Titanic, because this was in 1912. And a lot of the people had been, a lot of the... um, This was the same year as the Titanic. Same year. So the the staff of the Titanic were principally recruited from Southampton and Portsmouth. So there were a lot of Lois's friends. And so after that tragedy, you know, there were queues of people trying to get money from the post office. And Lois was in the queue and she got to the front and she said, "Uh, can I have my allowance? And the person at the post office person said, "Um, I'm sorry, there's no money. And Lois was shocked and said, can you check? And they said, no, nothing. Unlike Kathleen Scott, Lois was poor. And as her husband battled through the snow without sending back paychecks, she really began to struggle. Her family in Gower hadn't heard from her. And her cousin, Will Tucker, went down to Portsmouth to see if she was okay. He opened the door and found them all very thin and they had sold all the furniture. On the 17th of January 1912, Scott and his team eventually reached the South Pole, only to find a flag of Norway already there, and a region team had beaten them a month earlier. The men made the torturous journey back, weak from exhaustion, hunger and extreme cold. But they never made it. He and his men were found by an Arctic team in their tents eight months later frozen solid and when the 
Antarctic team retrace the route to the South Pole as far as they can to be able to try and find the dead men and they come across this tent. They go into it to be able to retrieve as much information as they can and most of the men are standing outside because it's only a tent for three and suddenly they hear the sound of a gunshot and they shout to the people inside, are you okay? And they say, yes, we just had to... um, lift Scott's arm to retrieve the letter and it broke off and the sound was like the sound of a report of a gun. Wow, it just shows you how frozen the bodies were. And what was the reaction of Kathleen Scott when she was notified of the news that her husband had perished? Uh, She was on a boat. She was going sort of anti-clockwise around the world from California to New Zealand and so While there was a memorial service happening in St Paul's because the news had reached Britain that the King was attending with 10,000 people in the streets around in London, Kathleen was on a boat and they couldn't contact her. So she didn't know that it was happening. Anyway, she was um, going out to New Zealand and when when they finally did manage to reach her with the radio, um, she wrote in her diary that she was determined not to be sad But when I've read the actual diary, which is in the University Library in Cambridge, the writing deteriorates. So although she is trying to be incredibly brave and stoical and positive and say what an incredible example he has been, her writing looks as if she is dictating to a child and then it looks as if she's swapped her pen into her left hand. It it deteriorates entirely. And Catherine... Sadly for Lois, the wife of Taff, I know that after they published the diaries of Scott, the captain, her and her family were bullied and they were treated so terribly. Why was that? Because at the time that Scott was writing his diary after they left the South Pole, all five men were basically starving. For various different reasons, they were at altitude. They hadn't anticipated having to be so high. Their rations were not sufficient for the amount of exercise they were taking. On the return journey, Taff had been injured and was extremely weak. He had fallen into a crevasse and hit his head, probably had a brain hemorrhage. But Scott said, um, he is becoming impossible. He's so clumsy. Um, And so, you know, Scott was criticising him in his diary. Also, he had Taff, when he was reducing the size of the sledge, he had cut himself by mistake. The knife slipped and it went into his hand and he probably had septicemia from that. So he had a lot of problems, starving, septicemia, head injury. Um, So he was going very slowly and Scott was very frustrated that Taff was holding them up. So he wrote things which they got published. And so the community in the Gower Um, began to think that perhaps Taff was responsible for the disaster because he'd held the others up. Wow, that they might all still be alive if it wasn't for him. Exactly, exactly. So the problem is that Lois was championing him, obviously, but um, Sarah Evans, Taff's mother, also Lois's aunt, heard the news she couldn't write she was born the wrong side of the education act so she was told the news by a neighbor and she said to a reporter i can't help thinking that if they uh they might have survived if it wasn't for him perhaps they should have left him behind 
which mm. is an incredible thing mm. for a mother to say about her son. For example, when uh, the cigarette card companies made pictures of this uh, story, they did pictures of all the four other men, but not of Taff. And when they did pictures of um, the sledge being pulled, they did it with four men pulling the sledge, not five. They left him out of it because of that. Entirely. And so, yes, the, the appalling thing is that as a result, um, Lois's, Lois was bullied, her children were bullied at school, and even her grandson was bullied. And she was buried in an unmarked grave, perhaps at her request, which is the ultimate tragedy, isn't it? And Catherine, is there any evidence to indicate that with the passing of time, Kathleen Scott became more remorseful and nostalgic and saddened by the loss of her husband? That's a very, very interesting question. Uh, Bernard Shaw was her best friend, practically, and he said, she never looked sad to me. I don't think she even regretted him dying. Um, But her um, second son, Hilton said she definitely was remorseful and she really did love him and uh, she just felt that it was so private she didn't want to share it. Um, I would also say that because I've spoken to Wayland Kennett, now the late Wayland Kennett, a lovely man, her second son, and I have asked him about this because in relation to another explorer and he said that by the time he was in his 20s she had stopped encouraging people to go and do and die. But only Wayland and me and now you know that. So she was very, very private. So the answer is yes, she did change, but not many people know that. Final question, Catherine. From your research and investigation into these five snow widows, five different women, some of them from very different backgrounds, but was there a commonality that you noticed? Was there something that they all shared? That's a very good question. Um, Well, I think if there was one commonality, it would be resilience. They were phenomenally resilient and inspiring and utterly without self-pity. And for that, for, for me, that's incredibly inspiring. Yeah. Catherine, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Colin Flynn was reporting there. He was talking to Catherine McInnes, author of the book Snow Widows, Scott's Fatal Antarctic Expedition Through the Eyes of the Women They Left Behind. And that's published by William Collins.